Hi, this is Jason Aaron, writer of Thor and Star Wars, and you're listening to Mighty Marvel Geeks. USB microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Mimico are makers of pop culture-infused mobile accessories. Mimo Power backup batteries let you charge with characters from Star Wars, Marvel, and other fandom-centric brands. Visit Mimico.com and use listener code WeebyGeeks15 to take 15% off your whole order. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect. Thanks, sir. So am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced people, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It's Eric Kylan, yes, who is back, and Mike. Woo! So I gotta ask, you went and visited agents Bob and Jay. Did you get Bob I, to talk? I, I, I did not get Bob. No, no. So he was uh, really Actually, silent. you know, he, he was being really silent, although he had about, he had about three minutes where he just, he, I don't know, he's spouting some kind of, I don't know, Hindu philosophy, and then all of a sudden, silent rest of the time. Go figure. I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm gonna ask, how are you guys doing? It's been a week since Eric and I have fought off Hydra and <laughs> almost lost. We survived. That's about as much as you could say for it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I saw and I was uh, I, I was feeling really bad, uh, but, you know, I didn't I didn't have access to the hell bus. And, um, you know, but uh, you, you guys did the, the, the above ground underwater suborbital volcano layer is still standing. Fair. Uh, and uh, the, the, the commissary looks the same. Uh, but yep, that's okay. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. The, the, the coma scary. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna break this news and uh, announce. You now we we had that contest mm-hmm. where we were giving away a pair of headphones, like what we're wearing, and a CAD audio. Uh, of course, the headphones were CAD audio, and a pair of CAD audio, and a CAD audio Zoe mic. Right. Um, our winner is Hope Beckers, and. We say congratulations to Hope for getting the correct answers. And uh, what are those correct answers, by the way? Well, question number one was full description of where we record from. Well, Kylan just said it, and if he wants to say it again. Uh huh. What? The, <laughs> Sorry. Where, do, where do we record from? Oh, from the above ground underwater suborbital volcano layer. And I would have taken it in any order as long as you got all the parts there. Uh, the second one who was the first guest that we had as the intrepid trio? That's a good friend of the show and former Malibu editor, Roland Mann. That's right. We, we did have somebody say Chris Claremont, and that would have been cool. But that was but our you very had- first guest. 
that was that your was, very first guess. And that was me yes. and a different Eric. So, yes. And the third answer was, who was the guest on issue number 100? Mr. Ramon Perez. Perez. So, again, congrats to Hope. And uh, I've already been in contact with her. And, and thank you to everyone who participated and yes. sent in answers. Yes. So, thank you. Very much Thank so. you for yes. your participation. So, um, let's uh, start off the show. Uh, first news story. Um, I think you you mentioned something about Ghost Rider. Oh, yeah. Um, as you know, as we have discussed, here on the show, the new, the next, and hopefully not final season of Agents of Shield premieres on September twentieth on ABC, and they have announced they did announce at San Diego Comic Con that the Robbie Reyes version of Ghost Rider will be appearing in the season. Uh, I got to be honest, I was not very happy at first to hear this news, mainly because I I did not particularly care for the Robbie. Riaz version of Ghost Rider. There, I've said it. And really, the main thing is, he's not a spirit of vengeance like the others, and the Ghost Rider has a car. That, I, th- that I think, is what really upset... I don't want to use the word upset. It irked me more than anything else. But, I mean, you see all these images of him riding on top of the car, like standing on the hood while it's moving, or standing on the roof while it's moving. That kind of makes me feel a little bit better about it, okay. but the... Go ahead. Wait, wait, no, I'll let you finish before I get into it. Okay. But the more that I am finding out about Riaz, the character... The more I like him, because this, while it's not the spirit of vengeance, like uh, you know, like Johnny uh, John Blaze or, or Dan Ketch, uh, it, he has more of a Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk vibe to him. Okay. Because because the the part that makes him the Ghost Rider is actually it, it's it's an inner demon. It's it, it is the the demonic spirit of his serial killer uncle. Oh, yeah. And Robbie is the is the component that compels him to do good. I mean, it's he is fighting the inner demon, literally. And he's the one putting these demonic powers for good. It's not the, the spirit itself compelled to it. Well, did y'all see the video, though, of Chloe Bennett, a.k.a. Daisy, a.k.a. Quake, riding on, or holding on to the roof of the Challenger? Charger. <laughs> that too. <laughs> when we talked about this before show, I said Camaro, so. You called it a Camaro, and I just said it. it it's a Charger, dude. Hey, this time I got the first two letters right instead of just the first letter and you got the and you got the uh, the manufacturer right this time so you're, you're you're working on it you're getting closer so uh the thing i found interesting though is daisy was wearing her shield jumpsuit huh. her shield uniform it was the shorter hair it wasn't the wig huh. things that make you go huh so here's the question. Are you thinking that, well, obviously, by the time this scene is filmed, she's come back to the S.H.I.E.L.D. fold. Now, this could be an episode that's very on in the season, very early on in the season, or it could be towards the end of the season. Right. right. But do you think that the whole Daisy Gone Rogue thing is kind of a, uh, I don't want to say red herring, I don't want to say one shot, but it's kind of a, sh- a very short arc. I, I think we're going to see it for three or four episodes. Hmm. And, and I'm going to think that the new... My thought is she's possibly still under control of either the new director or maybe Talbert. Talbot. Or, or Talbot for some other... God, what am I doing tonight? <laughs> Um, I'm just your little grammar Nazi over here. <laughs> I was like, Tolbert, who? <laughs> um, 
But you know, to, she's she's under orders from one of them, and that she and that was all part of the whole scheme with Hive mm. to to help expose that and not and not lead on with everything else. Mm. But because I, I don't know. But because of how deep she got with Hive, she she's having to. I don't know. See, now I'm starting to put things in stretch. <laughs> I'm thinking you're stretching on that one. I, I, I you could be ver- you could be right. You could be right, and that was a play all along. But. I don't know. We'll just have to watch and see I, I think what so, happens. I, I think it's going to be, actually, it could end up being, uh, it ends up being a three to four parter, and we see Ghost Rider start to show up around maybe episode three or episode four of this arc, bringing that's, in the Spirit of Vengeance. That's well, completely possible. And, and, that if he, wake, and that wakes her up and has her go back to S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, that's a possibility. Uh, if it's wait to about four or five episodes, that's going to put it, that's going to put Ghost Rider's appearance about the end of October 1st of November. Right. Halloween time. <laughs> yeah, figures. <laughs> but it also would coincide quite nicely with the new Ghost Rider comic that's going to be coming out. It's like, uh, let's see, when did they announce that? They announced it, uh, it's been since Comic-Con. Right. Uh, it's going to be a Ghost Rider sub Solo title written by Philippe Smith and Trad Moore, and these are the guys who created Riaz's TEO version, and uh, with art by Brazilian illustrator Daniel Beruth. I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but uh, uh, Editor-in-Chief Axel Alonso commented on that, uh, saying, quote, We were waiting for Philippe's schedule more than anything. I would have loved to have launched it sooner, but he has a prosperous career in animation, and we needed the time to carve it up and do it right. So it uh, it just says that Ghost Rider number one hits this November. I think that's just very coincidental if... My last thought ends up kind of being true, since I'm on a tangent-filled night tonight of taking, <laughs> taking theories all over the place. You're like Samantha Brown taking your theories all over the globe here, dude. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, that actually does make sense. If he shows up about five episodes in, that would time it just about right yeah. to hit. Yeah. Because that way, you, you're watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and you go, who is this guy riding along on the Black Charger? Charger, not Camaro, uh, Charger. And you think, well, who is this guy? How can I find out more about him? Well, boom, on the shelf is Ghost Rider number one. Yep. I remember that's on the shelf. The day after the episode airs, which it's on Tuesday, and New Comic Book Day is Wednesday. Wednesday. There you go. What a coinkydink. <laughs> Isn't that special? <laughs> so, um, speaking of special and coinkydinks and Comic Book Day, which has nothing to do with the next story except the characters came from the comics, uh, <laughs> Jeff Lieb reveals why Cloak and Dagger is landing at Freeform. Um, Crash more like it <laughs> with <laughs> with the television critics association press event underway um, it has come out the circumstances surrounding the end of agent carter and the potential launch of, of, of new series um, jeff Loeb, head of marvel television spoke out about one series that is going to be on freeform that's cloak and dagger according to him it's a love story that happens to have characters that have always traditionally been in that age group Okay, I don't know why I read it like that, but I did. I apologize. Uh, it's not like we took something and made it into a, a yeah, uh, audience. It speaks to a, a yeah audience, and it's a yeah property. Yeah meaning young adult. Young adult, sorry. Uh, would I do Punisher? Well, still young audience fits too. Young adult.
difficult. Um, yeah, if he what uses I do, nerf guns. Would I do Punisher on Freeform? I don't think that's going to connect the same way. Um, so Cloak and Dagger will center on Tandy Bowen and Tyrone Johnson, teenagers from different backgrounds who grapple with their newly acquired superpowers. Tandy can emit daggers of light, while Tyrone can engulf others in darkness, even as they fall in love. So I think we all, when this was first announced back in April, we all kind of said the same thing. Freeform, that means it's going to be like Foster's meets Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> Actually, the words I used were, I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as I love this series in the comics... I'm starting to have that same bad feeling. See, you know, there's somebody over at uh, our distinguished competition that thinks that this is a wonderful thing for Marvel uh, to have this show because it's the equivalent of, because Freeform is sort of like Marvel's equivalent of, uh, or Disney's equivalent of um, CW. CW. Okay. But we're, we're but... also talking about this with the distinguished competition. <laughs> it's the same company who brought us the. the the entirely wasted time that I wish I had back, known as Batman versus Superman, The Dawn of Justice. Ooh, which I happened to watch and I regret watching. Yeah. See? And, and as much as I I, I, I love their, um, their premiere show, their premiere DC show over at CW that's on a Wednesday night. I think you know what I'm talking about. I, as much as I enjoyed that show, when they decided to change it and go lighter it, it just did not i i i had um i, I had my, my teeth were riding out because of how sweet it was at points it was just like no no what was unintended i, I it, it was supposed to be they they thought that they were gonna go they thought if they went lighter you know that that this would be you no know, we we we're gonna do stories about heroes and no and it, 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 here's the thing i'm i'm like you guys i have a really bad feeling about this show. But then again, you know, I'm way outside the demographic. I have an open mind. I really do. But I feel bad about it. I'm just saying. My thought is, they're looking at the young adult version of it and just, or the that teenager part. Right. They go, oh, well, here's a chance to get a teenage love drama with powers. The book and is so dark, though. There was so much more. The book, yes. To it. Yes, I agree. But quite frankly, I don't don't think it's going to be brought over that way. I don't I, think it's going to. I think they're just going to go like, oh, look, here's a white girl and a black guy. They I, I, fall in love with powers. I think it's going to turn into Stitcher's mates, Pretty Little Liars. And I'll admit, I watch Stitcher's, or I have been, but they're turning that into too much of a young adult, chicky, twisty show. And then you then, then you have to go over to El Rey and watch like 12 hours of Kung Fu movies to get it out of your brain. Or one episode of Lucha there you go. Yeah. You really just need something with a ton of explosions, car chases, and, and barroom brawls. Yeah, Roadhouse. Could, could, could you say that one more time, Eric? This needs a lot more explosions, car chases, and a few barroom brawls. There you go. See, see. There you go. There you go. So, um, so yeah, to get to get that thought out of our mind and, and, and that bad feeling, I'm gonna cheer us up real quick before we go to the next next story. Okay. Because the next story is gonna cheer us up too, but I gotta put us in that mood. Okay. <laughs> 
Well, that was- I knew that was coming. Oh, which uh, you know, hey, you know, he I, he's still living off. It's been what what the thirty year celebration. Yeah, we talked Are you about still it living off week? of that. See, see. <laughs> hey, as it said on the box or on the cover at Walmart, one of the top movies of the eighties. Walmart's like the uh, internet. It don't lie. I'm still thinking that <laughs> Photoshop that somehow. Nope. Uh, uh, not Photoshop. Uh, that was the real oh, deal. Oh, uh, who are we to argue with Walmart? You know? True. Netflix. <laughs> yeah, and, oh, and Netflix. Netflix brought something. Now, okay, now this is a, this is a rumor. Okay, well, it's not a rumor, but kind of is, but kind of not. So, uh, it's been reported that Marvel shot a White Tiger pilot short for Netflix. Uh, let me say that again. Marvel has reportedly shot a White Tiger pilot short for Netflix. For those yeah. who didn't catch it the first two times, I'll say it a little slower. Marvel <laughs> has shot a White Tiger short for Netflix. <laughs> and for those of you who just need summing up, White Tiger pilot Netflix. There you go. So now, now, now who is White Tiger? Sum up for people who are not hardcore, deep-in-the-weeds Marvel zombies, and who have absolutely no idea who White Tiger is. Aren't they a rock band? Uh, they are a super awesome uh, Canadian, Canadian rock band from the late 80s and early 90s, but this is not that White Tiger. Okay? <laughs> Different White Tiger. Uh, this is this White Tiger, her name is Angela Del Toro. Uh, she's a Hispanic female from the Bronx, and she's actually the fourth White Tiger of Comes from a line of white, uh, a line of people who've who has held this mantle, I guess you'd call it, through her family. Uh, white Tiger is a street level character who uh, has heightened abilities. Who is a like upper level martial artist, uh, and she's been featured prominently in the Disney uh, Disney XD series Spider Man U- Ultimate Disney's Ultimate Spider Man. Uh, and so you and you see her featured with Luke Cage and Iron Fist and also Nova. Uh, Nova. Nova, yeah, and also Nova. And so, and that's one version of her. Now, the other interesting thing is that White Tiger was also mentioned in the, uh, she was name dropped in the Jessica Jones series, uh, J- Jessica Jones series, in the episode, aka, You're a Winner. And so, this character uh, is another of the street-level characters. Uh, and she's been getting a lot of love lately. Uh, because she was one of those characters that was like I was telling you guys, this was a character who was strictly C tier, unless you were very, very deep in the Marvel uh, universe. And so, as you know, outside and uh, from being mentioned on Jessica Jones and from being featured prominently in a Disney animated series, it, it's awesome to see this character finally in essence hit the big stage. I, I mean, because really, if you think about it, all the Netflix shows, like we know that the Netflix shows are television. But I think that the public almost sees the Netflix shows as an extension of the MCU. You know, and so it's one thing to have this character show up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which would have been perfectly fine. I would have been good with that. But to hear this rumor that she may be getting her own series, uh, and I, I think that would be... 
I, I don't know. I, I'm really excited, especially if they're going to be possibly coupling her off with Punisher and whoever else that they're looking at putting together with this next group. But uh, it, it's getting to the point, though, because um, we, we talked about it briefly last week. <laughs> Jessica Jones is coming in 2018. So is mm-hmm. and so is um, Daredevil season two. Mm-hmm. They got three shows coming out next year. At right. some point, they're gonna have to change things up. I believe. I, I here's what I as much as I would hate to see it because I'm loving Daredevil. Um, I, I I've loved everything that I've seen Marvel do with Netflix. I would say you know three and done. You know as much as I hate to say that because. They've done Daredevil right. Oh my goodness, you've done yeah. Daredevil. But I think in order to be able to give each of these properties, you know, the the time that they deserve, you're you're not going to be able to run fifteen shows. I, I I guess you could run fifteen shows. It, but I think it's getting to the point they're gonna have to they're gonna have to be putting out every other yeah, month. They, they're gonna have to. Uh, Just think about this, guys. Five thousand characters. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do them all on Netflix. No, you can't. You can't do them all. You might could do one or two for about five seasons or so. Right. That's that's not bad. Five seasons is a good run. It is. That's a great run. It, it's a good run of any TV show. Yeah. I don't think you should have more than four or five. I really don't. Right. And so this is the way that that Netflix and Hulu, uh, basically your streaming video, they're changing the game. So where, like say, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does once a week for an entire season. Mm-hmm. Right. Not not counting when they decide you know, to take their coffee breaks and lunch breaks and you know, mid-season hiatus breaks and you get the idea. Right. But you know, for 13 episodes or so, or 26 episodes for that matter, for a, an actual season, mm-hmm. Netflix will drop that much at once. Yeah. So, yeah, um, um, five se- five seasons, fine. But go, oh, you've got all these other characters to deal with, to explore and expand upon. Do them. Well, they kinda, yeah, that, well, go ahead. No, no, no. You, you go ahead, dude. Well, no, because I'm going to take us a slightly different direction. If I go ahead, oh, that's cool. Well, I mean, well, I I would love to see Netflix. Okay, like you said, we're talking five thousand characters, and two years two years ago, how many of us would have believed that we? A month and a half away from a Luke Cage series. Well, I, I think a lot of people didn't realize the risk that Marvel was taking. Right. Doing street level characters that unless, again, unless you were deep in the weeds and steeped in your Marvel culture, you didn't know who these people were. No. Right. And I think and see, here's, I was thinking about this. But, I think this is the appeal of these characters too. Because when we look at the distinguished competition, every one of those characters regardless of if they're if they're a street level costume vigilante or if they're some cosmic power being everyone is fighting some world level threat well and they're and they're also all a level characters except for maybe cyborg who, who's right. level at the moment right and and but he's always kind of hung out up there right and, and there, they, there there has never been an allowance for tiers of characters and personally I've always loved uh, I've always had a love for the street level characters because 
because those those characters still care about what's going on, what's affecting the people, right. you know, well, on the day to day. Well, let's think about like this. That. Marvel, the, the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, has been what primarily? It's been C-level characters who have been turned into A-level characters now. That's true. The only one who wasn't C-level was Captain America. That's true. Because even Iron Man, people, I, when 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 they when they announced that they were doing an Iron Man movie, how many people were like, "Well, who's Iron Man?" Well, they they even said in the uh, the one Marvel show last year, they shopped it around for a while, and no one wanted to touch it. <laughs> and how many people are kicking themselves right now? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, um, talking about characters, five thousand characters. Spider-Man: Homecoming is bringing an obscure villain to the movie, and it looks like which I don't. Understand. There we go. Um, it looks like it could be the Tinkerer. What? Um, Deadline is reporting that Michael Shemus Chernus, better known as Cal from Orange is the New Black, a Netflix show, is taking over the role of the Tinkerer. Uh, how? Not sure. I mean, how, how will a guy who fiddles with supervillain tech play into the plot? Well, he could be helping out Vulture. He could be helping out um, Shocker, who's rumored to be in the film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, this isn't the... You know, so, Michael Shurness, um being cast as the Tinkerer now gets added to the impressive list of others who are confirmed for the movie, uh, such as Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, uh, Zendaya as Michelle, and of course you know her from KC Undercover. Right. Um, I'm having to change pages at the moment, so give me a <laughs> quick second. Uh, Tom Holland as Peter Parker. And, and I want to say this, uh, he was one of the bright spots of Civil War to me. Uh, yeah, he was. He was. Uh, I, 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 and I thoroughly enjoyed Civil War, but it was cool to finally, in my opinion, see Spidey in all of his comic book glory. He was done right. I mean, not to say Tobey Maguire didn't do him right. No. But, but, the okay. essence, but the essence you see of Spider-Man and what you expect with the won't shut up, won't always inquisitive, Holland nailed. Okay. Yes. Tobey Maguire got parts of Spider-Man right. Right. Andrew Garfield got parts of Spider-Man right. Right. Tom Holland got them all right. Right. Yes. Now, uh, to continue on, non-confirmed officially, but Chloe Grace Moretz as Mary Jane. Now, of course, we know her as the last superhero role she did, also from a Marvel book. Right. That, that's a creator-owned title. Uh, she's Hit Girl from Kick-Ass. Right. Um, I, could poten- I could potentially see her, but the picture they chose for her, I could also see uh, Sabrina Carpenter doing the role as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. From Girl Meets World and the uh, Adventures in Babysitting mm-hmm. that Disney Channel just put out. Um, I tried to ignore that. My daughter loves it, but she also loves the original because it's on Netflix. The original is the Adventures in Babysitting. I'm just yes. telling. You. Yep. Uh, Marissa Torme as Aunt May. Ah, <sighs> uh, yes. Or uh, as uh, Robert Downey Jr. says, hot aunt. I, you know, uh, guys, I, I just have to take a moment. I mean, the 21st century is truly an amazing time. We have bacon everywhere. You know, you can have breakfast for lunch. You can walk in a restaurant, get breakfast for lunch. It's no big deal. And we have a hot Aunt May. I'm just saying. Um, if if they, you know, when I said when I saw that they had cast her as Aunt May, I'm just said, I'll be your Uncle Ben. <laughs> I'll bring rice. Just call me Uncle Ben. Also, too, we have Tony Revol Revol. Oh, 
Huh? Revolori as Manuel. Okay. okay. So does that mean Manuel? We don't know who Manuel is, but so we'll continue on. <laughs> um, Bochum Woodbine as Herman Schultz slash the Shocker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think that's a wise choice. Yes. Um, Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. That's the first. That'll be interesting. Um, uh, uh, you, you do realize um, what's lining up here again, don't you? Don't know. I, I'm just saying, dude. <laughs> let, let, let me finish this list. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, this is the episode where we try to intentionally derail each other as often as possible. I, I'm just saying it's lining up. You can't. Oh. The, the episode where things line up and get derailed. Yeah. Uh, Michael Keaton is the vulture. And finally, Donald Glover as Spider-Verse. Okay. So. Yeah. Now, I will say this. I can't wait to see Michael Keaton as vulture. I really that's gonna, can't. That's going to be awesome. Yes. That's going to be because awesome. Because he has the intensity. Mm-hmm. He got the intensity down pat in when he played batman he did yeah so, so kyla yes. you were saying this is lining up for what I, okay this, this okay i'm just gonna put it like this all right and and, and this actually is gonna line up with another story okay so people who are our, our listeners who i like to believe are deep into the marvel universe and the marvel culture uh, okay so you you have peter parker you have bruce banner you have tony stark who along with being in spider-man also also, apparently, is going to be uh, have a cameo possibly in Doctor Strange. Um, now, my, and I'll just throw this out there right now because you have uh, Doctor Strange, Tony Stark, Bruce Banner, Peter Parker. Uh, there's an organization, there's a group that all of them are part of. Uh, there's something light. Um, Do you need illumination so, over there? I, I, I need I need something to help me see in the darkness. There's like you know little. The ill illuminate illuminati. Yes, that's. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. I just had to get that out there. But I digress. I I, I digress. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, so um, and I want I I, I want to thank um the, I want to thank our security systems for getting me back on track. But yes, so it's looking like uh, we are going to see Iron Man and Doctor Strange. Is it going to be in the movie or is it going to be? In a post-credits... Well, we, we talked briefly before show when you first yeah. brought this up. Right. We already know the next Avengers film is Affinity War. Mm-hmm. It's no longer part one, part two. No. What could be the most logical thing to happen next? Avengers Illuminati. Is like that, that, that would be... I, I, see, now here's the other thing, dude. I, I just have to throw it out there because, you know, there may be a deal brewing out there with Fox about a certain family. And if a certain family comes over, then that's it, dude. That, it's well, we, a lot. We, we already have one character supposedly back in the Marvel uni- Marvel Cinematic Universe that came from that realm. Ooh. And he could easily be played by Channing Tatum because he's already going to be fishy as it is. And that's oh, Submariner. It, yeah, but see, you know what? No, no, no. See, here's a problem. Submariner is, is Submariner Mariner is a smart, he's a highly intelligent character. He's a member. He is a member to, of, of the Illuminati. Am I right? Yeah. Can you really see them? They would not do that. I No. And also, uh-uh. I swear, if that happens, I'm like,
like you know, I uh, you you're gonna have to be uh, you, that that uh, that sensor button is gonna be working overtime. I tell you right now, <laughs> I will tell you right now because uh, well, let's change things up. Mm-hmm. I think Eric has brought some Easter eggs for us. Okay, now one thing that we know, every Marvel movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe has had, and what several other non-cinematic universe movies have had is Easter Cookies. eggs, throwbacks. No, that's the dark side. Oh. Get your franchises right, you goob. All right. Cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it Easter eggs references to to other things uh, like uh, in in Deadpool uh, while being tortured. Now this this list comes to us from GameSpot.com and it uh, came back back at, in uh, February. But there were some there were some references that were in this list that kind of made me think more about what's currently going on, particularly in the TV universe. And I'll cover that when I get to it. But in Deadpool, at one point while uh, being tortured, uh, Wade Wilson won't shut up. And that makes Ajax threaten to show his, sew his mouth shut. Now, of course, <laughs> that is a reference to the last time Ryan Reynolds played Deadpool in X-Men Origins Wolverine, where his mouth was sewn shut. Um, also in Deadpool, where uh, Colossus wants uh, Wade to visit Professor X, Wade just replies, Stuart or McAvoy? These timelines are confusing. <laughs> That was good. I love that. That was a good line. And of course, that is referring to the fact that both Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy have played Professor Xavier. I I love the one Easter egg where it makes fun of the distinguished competition. That's not in this list. Can you give me a super suit? Just make sure it's not green and glows. Oh, that one actually is. Yes. Yeah. The green and glowing. Of course, that's where Reynolds played Green Lantern. I was going to get to that, but hey, thanks for for jumping that gun. Sorry. You just tried to intentionally derail me. That's okay. That is the theme for this evening. <sighs> Episode one thir- issue one thirty two. Intentional derail. <laughs> okay, uh, Marvel has a it pretty much has an homage to Star Wars, uh, where Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige uh, it, it, he is he, he is admitted to being a Star Wars junkie. Uh, he says somebody gets their arm cut off in every Phase Two movie, every single one. So and yeah. even carried into the Phase Two time period on Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Hashtag it's all connected this time for real. Because uh, you know, think about it, Groot in uh, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor in the, the Dark World, mm-hmm. uh, Bucky in Winter Soldier, yeah. um, and Killian in Iron Man 3. Uh, I'm not going to go over this entire list just because it, it's so long. Uh, of course, we, we knew this one from uh, Captain America Winter Soldier as well, where Nick Fury is believed to have died. But by the way, spoiler alert if you still haven't seen it. <laughs> shame on you if you haven't. <laughs> and if you look on his tombstone, uh, the Bible verse Ezekiel 2517 is quoted, where it says, The path of the righteous man. Mm-hmm. Now, this is reference to uh, Samuel L. Jackson famous quote from of his characters in Pulp Fiction. Would you like a royale with cheese? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, Howard the Duck being an, a, a pretty good Easter egg there. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the end credit scene as well. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, he's not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was one I completely missed when I saw Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. Tony Stark is rummaging through his father's things and you can see an original Captain America comic book among them. Yes, I yeah. remember that. I remember that. And also in in Captain in uh, Captain America, but Iron Man too. Uh, you can see a, a half constructed shield behind Stark. And actually, there is you, you see a shield in the first.
first Iron Man also. Yeah, that's the first time we see it. It's yeah. After, at the end of the first Iron Man when uh, Fury shows up. Mm-hmm. No, actually, it's no, no, when no, he's no, no. in his uh, workshop. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah. Now, here's one that just, just made me giggle in a kind of an impish way. Mm-hmm. All right? In Ant-Man, Lewis, Michael Pena... He whistles It's a Small World as he's <laughs> as he's working undercover. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't get the joke, Disney owns Marvel Studios. It owns Marvel. Mm-hmm. So, and among Disney fans, It's a Small World, the music is almost like dragging your fingernails across a chalkboard. I would, mm-hmm. I would much rather listen to It's a Small World for two hours straight than imagine Channing Tatum as Gambit. Okay. I call no that. more Channing Tatum in this show. <laughs> you, you've intentionally derailed things enough as it is. <laughs> oh, my word. I'm just stating the level of torture. It's a small world. I, I get it. I Yeah, I know. No. And I was stuck in the boat when that song was going nonstop. I, yes. I, oh my gosh, that, that is a special level of torture. Oh. And and the final one that I want to put in here before, because like I said, we can go all night with this. Uh, but in the first Iron Man movie, Rhodey lays his eyes on the silver Iron Man armor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it was kind of like one of the interstitial suits that, that Tony had built. And he just looks at it, he goes, next time, baby, before he walks off. Mm-hmm. That, of course, that winds up being the war machine armor. Yes, it does. Yeah. Just with a with a paint job. So, well, there you go. Cool. That's that's just some of them. Uh, again, this comes from Gamespot.com. Uh, it was posted in February, so you can go back. You can go to their website and you can uh, check out all of them. Well, that now brings us to a part that is a nice little segment song brought to us by the Shazbots. <laughs> That's our picks of the week. <laughs> so, Kylan, since you weren't here last week, uh, why don't you start us off? Okay. And my first pick of the week, and it is actually, this is going to be awesome because it seems like this week everything was coming up. Kylan. <laughs> As far as, because I am going to have such a full bowl list. It's uh, Daredevil Punisher, number four, um, as my computer decides that it wants to uh, reload. Um, the writer is Chris Soul. So, sorry, Charles Soul. Penciler is Zyman Kodransky. Due process or sudden death. Daredevil fights to get Anatov a fair trial in Texas. That's funny. Um, where he may get the death penalty. Punisher fights to kill Anatov where he stands. The Crimson Dynamo fights to kill whoever gets in his way. It all comes down to this. The skull versus the devil. Sounds like a Charlie Daniels team. It really does. Sounds like it's going to be a hell of a good fight. <laughs> yeah, you know, all that heat down there in Texas, do they really want to fight it out? I don't So, Eric, your first pick. My first pick is Civil War II, Gods of War, number three. Written by Dan Abnett, penciled by Emilio Liso. Meet the deities ready to save the day as the civil war rips through the marvel universe hercules battles to stop the uprising storm the one threat that no one else is aware of but if the first superhero is going to save the world he's going to need help and not even the avengers are going to stand in his way with nowhere else to turn to herc must 
recruit heroes of myth to stand at his side. Here come Gilgamesh, Beowulf, Ire, Theseus, Sigurd, and Lorelei, the gods of war. Okay. Now, this is one that w- that I picked last month. Uh, so who do we have? Do we have? It was Sanford Green or David Walker, I think. David Walker. David, David Walker. Walker. And it was like, where you just look at the previews, that right there, the, the preview pages just kind of sold it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is that is my pick. That is my first pick of the week. Well, I went with Gwynpool number five. Our writer is Christopher Hastings. Penciler is Irene Strachowski. Uh, best part of living in a world of comic book heroes? Team-ups. All right, team-ups, baby. I'm going to re-deliver that. What's the best part of living in a comic book universe? Team-ups, baby. Gwen meets Miles Morales. Spider-Man. A Spider-Man. I says Spider-Man. Oh, well. That's the interns. Peter Parker is the Spider-Man. True. True. So, uh... Number two. Number two is Star Wars Poe Dameron, number five. Yet again, writer is Charles Soule. The penciler and cover are Phil Noto. Black Squadron's been locked away in a Republic prison, but they're not in... They're not locked in there with us. They're locked in with Terex. Can Poe and company get the info they need and get free? Mm. Mm. Eric, your second pick. My second pick is Mockingbird number six. Written by Chelsea Kane. Penciled by Kate Nemechek. Civil War II tie-in. A top secret mission on behalf of an old friend? A tropical cruise. What could go wrong? Turns out it's a theme cruise. A superhero themed, naturally. Making it a floating Comic-Con. Now Bobby is trapped on a boat with a thousand cosplayers, caped colleagues she was trying to avoid, an ex-boyfriend who keeps showing up at inopportune times, and a rampaging herd of corgis. When a passenger is murdered, Bobby must play Hercule Poirot to find the killer and confront some uncomfortable truths from the past in the process. Now, I recommend this book mainly because the description just sounded so, actually, hilarious. Mm-hmm. But the cover, the cover is just downright awesome because you have Bobby who is in plain clothes, t-shirts, uh, skirt, flip-flops, and a gun, surrounded by men and women of different you know, appearances, body types, height whatever, all dressed up as some incarnation of Mockingbird, including guys. There's a guy in the back who is wearing the old, pretty much the one-piece uh, bathing suit and the little butterfly mask. And uh, yeah, that just looks kind of weird. But also, you have a bunch of little dogs running around, also dressed up like Mockingbird. That's rough. Ah! That's rough, man. It is. It's a dog-eat-dog world, but that's okay. <laughs> it's just the whole thing about it. It's like the real Mockingbird is the only one not dressed up. So, yes, this one looks it's not on my pull list. I may have to get this one anyway, just because it seems just so just crazy enough to be interesting. It, I, I will say it, it is. Uh, it's in the pull list over at my house, and like I, I it's right there with um, Black Widow. It's a good book. It, it really is a good book, uh, especially if you read that in um, conjunction with um, Hawkeye. You know, one of the one of the cosplayers on the cover is holding a, co- a Hawkeye comic. <laughs> Oh, my second pick of the week is Spider-Gwen number 11. Uh, what is Gwen Stacy without Spider-Gwen? Gwen gives life her best shot, but will life let it happen? And that's it. Um, and this is one, too. I, I love the, the artsy feel of, of the cover um, where you see her in the, in the black and white with the slight pinkish purplish tone to it mm-hmm. from, the co- from the costume. And then the rest of the world around her um, is almost the same colors from her costume, kind of blur blended together. Cool. So, uh, 
um, our final picks of the week. All right. My final pick of the week is surprise Power Man and Iron Fist number seven. Uh, writer is David Walker. A uh, penciler is Sanford Green and Flaviano. And the cover artist is Sanford Green. This is a Civil War II tie-in. The Iron Fist is behind Iron Bars. Danny and Luke are on the same side, but predictable Justice Delaney's preemptive strike split them up. Will Danny's new criminal allies protect him from all his old criminal enemies? Guess we're going to have to wait and see. So, Eric, your number two pick. My number, the last for this week, I, is... Number three pick, sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, not Mighty Thor, number 10. Written by Jason Aaron, penciled by Russell Dodderman. On top of battling cancer and the villainous team of the Exterminatrix and the Silver Samurai, now Jane Foster has a surprising new enemy with which to contend. S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. That's it. Intern was getting close to quitting time. Oh, that's all right. I'll make up for it, finally, with mine. Uh, my final pick of the week is Howard the Duck, number 10. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Not. Um, writer is Chip Zdarsky. Penciler is Joe Wayonis. The person behind all of Howard's troubles is revealed. Who could it be? Is it Spider-Man? Wolverine? Thor? Miss Marvel? Am I just mentioning these characters on the off chance that some retailers will just skim the catalog looking for the character names? will accidentally order this? Who knows? And I'm sorry. Any retailer who hasn't been ordering this, shame on you. I put this up there with the, the old 77 series. 76 really? 77 series. Yeah, I mean, it could, I, I as much as I, I, it's, it's taken me a while to get used to the look of Howard mm-hmm. Wise, um, and Quionis has done a great job with it. Um, Sadarsky, I, I like the fact that he kind of gives it that feel from the original series. Or at least in my opinion, I felt like it had the feel of the original series. Right. So, um, so why don't we move on next to the Marvel Unlimited pick? And that's going to be Eric this week. Yes, it is. And let me hold that up. Okay. Um, this is actually kind of a callback. Uh, Kylan, I think you may have been the one to pick this back in August of last year. Uh, the last Marvel Unlimited pick of the month was uh, Excalibur number one. Mm-hmm. Now, I love that series. I loved it because it, it almost had a it had a quirkiness to it, a more intimate feel than X-Men or X-Force or X-Factor in that they really didn't seem to be they were connected but not really right. to the rest of the rest of the Marvel universe and there were a lot of quirky what I would consider quintessentially British characters. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah. You, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, now mind you like for somebody who um, uh, growing up in the South, picking up, uh, picking up uh, Excalibur. I, you know, I th- this was so different from any of the X books. Completely, mm-hmm. di- it's like you said they were they were kind of sort of ter- they, they were tertially connected, but they were like off. Yeah, there was something qu- like it was quirky, and it, 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 and that uh, it, it drew me to them because of it. it wasn't quirky in like say a Mister Bean kind of way. No, no, it was it, it was. Was quirky almost in a northern exposure kind of way. Yeah. Okay. Or 
or or maybe a Twin Peaks ish kind of way. It's but, a very British book. Yeah, it's a very British book. And the reason that I'm pointing out your pick from last year mm-hmm. is because that was as I read it, there were all these characters that were thrown in, like the War Wolves, the Crazy Gang, mm-hmm. uh, Nightcrawler, and the Tech Net. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Thomas, the the detective, yes. or what's he commissioner by then? Um, anyway, you have all these characters in there that were really cool, and I thought, well, where did they come from? I have found where they came from, or at least part from where they came from. Okay, Captain Britain, Volume Two. It was like fourteen issues, starting off in January of '85. Oh, yes, the that entire run is on Marvel Unlimited. But my pick of the week is number one of that series. Really, it's a flashback. If you ever wanted to know about how Captain Britain came to be, this is where this is what you really need to read. Because while uh, it's, it's actually kind of like a, a two-setting story, you have on one story, you have Di Thomas proving to his superiors that Brian Braddock is Captain Britain. Mm-hmm. Okay? The other story that's kind of intercut with it is how Brian Braddock is basically relating all of his story, all of his time as Captain Britain to his sister Betsy, mm-hmm. known also known as the X Men Psylocke. Okay, so there's a lot of flashbacking in this, but there's also some other stuff inserted in here. You've got uh, this is actually one of four stories that's in this book. So while you have like you, the recap of Captain Britain's origin, you also have uh, the mysterious Night Raven, which was a reprint from Hulk uh, UK comic. Volume 1, Issue 1. You also have a, uh, a story called War World, which I, I gotta confess I'd never heard before. I haven't heard since except before you have Secret Wars. But the real gem to me of this uh, of this issue, aside from the Captain Britain recap, is the story Absalom Dak Dalek Killer. What? Yes. Who? Exactly. Uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, Absalom Dak, that story is a reprint from Doctor Who Weekly. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, and if you're listening to this, you may not have already known this, but Marvel did a Doctor Who series for quite a while using it, the Tom Baker Doctor. Right. And it was really, I enjoyed it because it, well, for one thing, the the low budget nature of Doctor Who at the time, well, you didn't have to worry about that in a comic book. But this was like the backstory that was interwoven with the uh, Doctor Who Weekly. And Absalom Dak is a serial killer in the far future. He's given a choice. He's caught. He's convicted. His sentence, he's given a choice. He can either be executed or he can be exiled as a Dalekler. Now, what that means, you are t- you're you're teleported to a planet that's within the Dalek Empire, and you fight for your life. Okay. And while you are fighting for your life, you are acting as an agent for the human empire. And so he actually, it, they said, you know, what's my life expectancy? You know, a month, a week? He said, they said nine hours, 43 minutes, etc. And so that's the story about him. He pretty much liberates an entire planet and falls in love with the queen as, you know, serial killers are wont to do. But one last Dalek counterattack kills her. And so he, he becomes a, uh, he becomes a man bent on destroying. Destroying all of Dalek kind. 
Okay. Well, we've got time. Let's quickly um, recap last month's book since we weren't able to do it because of the Hydra invasion. Okay. <laughs> or last month's book club. Last month's book club. Okay. Last month's book club uh, was actually had a bonus. Uh, the actual book club book was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, Number 1 from 1990, uh, written by Jim Valentino, who also did the pencils and was did the cover art. Now, this was the first of the uh, quest line, uh, the storyline for Quest for the Shield, where they are tracking down this artifact that Vance Astro is convinced is Captain America's shield. Now, mind you, this is a thousand years in the future, so a lot of the Marvel Universe that we know has passed into legend, into myth, and so a lot of you know what we know has been forgotten. And as one of the last survivors of the 20th century, Vance Astro is pretty much the historian as well. And as it turned out, we didn't know this when when we first announced the book club, but the main villain in this particular episode, in this particular issue, is a character by the name of Taserface. He is a member of what is called the Stark. Now, this is a race of aliens that worship Tony Stark and the Iron Man armor suits. Okay. Now, at the time, I thought Taserface was one of the lamest ideas for a villain ever. Because, yes, he can project an energy blast from his face. Not from his eyes, not from his mouth, not even from his left nostril, but his entire face. Okay. And that's why they call him Taserface. Well, as it turns out, right after we did this, James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1 and Volume 2, comes out and says, hey, we have the villain Taserface in Volume 2. So we wow. we we are freaking geniuses once again. It, this it's time, hard work being this good. It, it is. <laughs> but this was, it, it was a good, it is, well, Okay, the Guardians of the Galaxy series had its ups and downs. It had some issues that were much stronger than the others, but the whole quest for the shield storyline, I thought was was one of the better ones because it, it ties in the past, the Freds, and the future. And it just it, it just it sprinkles in plenty of ancient Marvel lore. Now the book club bonus for this month was the first appearance of the Guardians of the Galaxy. It was it, it was Marvel Superheroes Volume One Number Eighteen mm-hmm. that came out in January 1969. And it had several, it actually had three stories in it. uh, Courage and the Menace from Future World Part 2, but the Guardians came in and in the story called Earth Shall Overcome. And the the synopsis, and this comes from the Marvel Wiki, uh, Charlie 27 returns from a six-month mission to discover that his home planet of Jupiter has been completely enslaved by the evil Badoon. These are reptilian aliens. Uh, He knows that he wouldn't stand a chance against them on his own, so he teleports to other worlds to find help. First, he joins forces with Martin X on the planet Pluto. Then together, they travel to planet Earth, where Vance Astro and the Satarian Yondu have just escaped from the Badoon forces themselves. When Vance and Yondu encounter Charlie 27 and Martin X, they briefly mistake them for more Badoon guards, and of course, the obligatory misunderstanding fight ensues. However, soon enough, they realize that they are all fighting for the same side, and a new Super team is born, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Well, you guys didn't hear it, or especially Eric. Um, and of course, Kylan wasn't here, so he wasn't able to hear it. But oh. our listeners heard it last week, briefly, as I recovered what I could from the Hydra attack. Um, the book of the month for August is Star Wars Vader Down number one. Uh, and the writer is Jason Aaron on this, on this particular book. Uh, and this is what launched the whole Star Wars crossover event, um, was this one issue. Mm-hmm. When Darth Vader accidentally finds himself facing off against the rebel
rebel fleet on his own, the rebels will learn the true strength of the dark side of the Force. Once Vader crashes on a nearby planet, the Rebellion is willing to risk everything for this once-in-a-lifetime chance to take out one of their biggest enemies. Luke, Vader, Leia, Aphra, Han, Chewie, and all manner of droid, good and evil. And I chose this as because when we go to discuss it, the final book of the Vader series will be releasing in September. Mm-hmm. And to me, this was like the greatest crossover from last year. Uh, I believe it was a um, non-award. Is that what we call them last year? Yes, something <laughs> like that. It, it was it was a non-award winner here. It was a Weeby. Oh, that's right. Yeah. For over on Weeby Geeks. Um, it, it, it's, it's a great book. It really is. Um, and it was a great series for... See, I'm not a strong Vader fan. I mean, mm-hmm. I like him. I'm, I'm not one who I got to try and collect everything of him. Right. Um, but this series, this crossover event, the Vader series has been, I don't know, it, it's so, so well done. I, I've just, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm going to be sad to see it go. The the Vader series to me has just, it, it's added a lot more depth to Vader. Yes. Yeah, I agree. You know, you know, and it makes me wonder if had this book come out uh, back in the 70s or even, even if it was after uh, Empire had this book come out, it's would the- it change my, you know, I mean, because, you know, those one of those things, like, at that time, you know, I was, I'm 12, 13 years old, and Vader is, like, the epitome of, of ultimate evil, but this book humanizes him, yeah. or wherever it does... I don't know yeah, if I mean, it doesn't. But yeah, but you know. See, I I don't remember with all the various miniseries Dark Horse did with Vader, like with Fist and um, some of the others. They were great stories, but it wasn't. It wasn't this series. It wasn't. Mm-mm. And it wasn't. Wasn't this crossover? No. Now in this series, Vader is not any any nicer a guy. No. I mean, no. he's still he's still out out evil. He is still uh he he is still as evil as they go. He is still the epitome of evil. This this series actually kind of reminds me of Doom 2099. Yeah. You remember you remember that title? Yeah. Uh, that was actually yeah. my favorite of the 2099 series. See, and with this yeah. I have loved I've loved with series it's you you see the struggles of Vader as he's conflicted and trying to um, piece together his plan to try to overthrow the emperor mm-hmm. as well. I mean that's that's pretty much been one of the big subplot lines of of, of the series and you know of course here with Vader down it's the rebels trying to take him out mm-hmm. right and, and it led from there to um, to rebel heist was the next storyline that came out but that stayed in uh, that stayed in the Star Wars title mm-hmm. but but Gillian and, and Aaron did kind of weave the stories together quite a bit as well especially in the first two or three ep- issues of yeah. of the two books which was brilliant as well so um so yeah that's that's the pick Vader down uh, so email us your comments and thoughts about it at mmg at weebygeeks.net hit us up on Facebook or Twitter with your comments as well uh, on Facebook at Mighty Marvel Geeks uh, on Twitter at Marvel Geeks so uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for us this week any final thoughts? Mm, nope I'm glad to be back amen to that (laughs) so um we could do one final thought. Uh-oh. That's what I'm afraid of. And we'll, s- we'll say it again. James Gunn, you're in production. Make this happen. You're at the keyboard. Make this happen. Uh, it, it's happening. It's uh-huh. my soundboard being slow. <laughs> Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride.
Just saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for us. Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? No, just time to go dark. So more theories on Ghost Rider and Quake and, and Daisy with S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe what we saw in the, maybe what we saw at the season finale, maybe she really is undercover and they just haven't told the rest of the agents. That's a possibility too. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think I'm now starting to believe my other theory though of... Ghost Rider shows up with looking for her and for her protection she goes back to S.H.I.E.L.D. That's a possibility.